is this episode uh 32 32 32 you know what they say about episode 32 it's the best episode. It's the best episode. No pressure. Everything after this sucks. But it's this downhill one, here from we go. Here. Yes, exactly. Get ready for the high water mark, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 32 of Drop the Needle in the Haystack, a podcast where we take a listen to tracks on Spotify that have never been played before, and then we talk about them. And it's episode 32. You know what that means, right, Eric? I do know what that means. We actually hit... 100 songs talked about on this podcast today. See, I thought we hit it last episode, episode 31, but that is not true because the first three songs we did never made it to air. Remember, we have like a whole episode zero thing that's, going on. That's right. So, are going to be listening to our 100th song today. Everyone buckle up. What a ride this will be. You cannot believe what we have in store for you today. Isn't that right, Matthew? Yeah, we can't believe it either. <laughs> Pass to me, pass to me. How how is it over there, Robbie? Are the cicadas are they blooming? Are you, you know, crunching they, on them shells everywhere oh, you go? Let me tell you, man. These little bastards are just erupting out of the ground every second. <laughs> I dodge through them as if I'm walking through the raindrops, but I don't let it get me down. You know why? Why? Because these little bastards are slow, and I will dodge all of them. That's I, a challenge. I never in my life thought that I would see and learn so much about cicadas as I have been during these past few weeks through through people's Instagram stories. There's a footage lot of from the front. I've never seen them molting like that when they like it's crawl out of their shell. That's like something out of like a, a horror film, you know. On our uh, fence outside, we have like a thousand of them. Did They're you, waiting for you. There was someone I don't remember who it was. <laughs> Basically, their dog eats them whenever she takes them on a walk. Crunchy. And apparently, after eating like five of them on one walk, the dog had horrible diarrhea all throughout the house. <laughs> well, so, they, you had too many. They banded together in there. They, uh, they posted a follow-up story of like, well, we took the dog out on the walk. She managed to gulp down another six today so the muzzle has been ordered <laughs> the muzzle has been ordered and the kitchen floor is prepped and it was just a kitchen floor covered in like the doggy uh the the pee pads Gross. Oh, poor dog. <laughs> yeah but you think after the first time they well i don't know i guess it depends no on the dude dog. dogs just they eat whatever my dog ate two chocolate hearts on valentine's day and lived to tell the tale he was a tank lucky dog yeah, but he did he did uh, poop out all the wrappers, which was not fun for him. <laughs> that well, no, that's how I he did it. He, those, it would be. those little things are still going through his veins. He was able to slip them through by getting the wrappers off. Because they're like they're like chocolate wrappers, you know. They're like kind of a uh, not like not quite like aluminum, you know. But yeah, it's it's basically aluminum, right? Crinkly. Yeah. Yeah. But he he wow, took it on the chin okay. like a champ. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have some sweet tunes today. I think I'm starting this off. So that's right, that's we're right. going to start out by listening to the uh, band Hello, This Is Alex, all one word. We're listening to their 2002 album. I believe it's their second album, the Canadian Spelling Program. And we are listening to the track Working in a Small Tape Store. And we're starting from about 24 seconds. Thank you. 
All right. So what immediately came to mind for me when I listened to this track um, was like proto uh, lo-fi hip hop music, like ahead of its time. And in some ways, like, you know, really, really proto in the idea that like all the sounds you're hearing are super lo-fi, you know, they're using these, this is 2002. So they're using early electronic sounds and they're using a lot of uh, sounds made from tape um, and other techniques like that. But real quick, let me talk about um, just the band for a second. They're actually still around. Uh, they just released an album in 2021. It's called All Our Wolf Hours. You can check it out on Bandcamp. But uh, quick biography. Hello, this is Alex. This is Melissa Creasy and Mark Pryor. Together they write bizarro, electropop infused with whimsy, a love of pop music, experimental audio, and a northern robot aesthetic. In February 2001, they christened themselves Hello, This Is Alec. Alex. Their music has been described as simple yet effective and without any pretension by Electro Age and as fuzzy analog tones and jaunty pop beats by Ben Rayner of the Toronto Star. The music the duo write is primarily electronic, filled with raw analog synths and otherworldly noises carried by melodic bass lines. So, excuse me, maybe not um, analog tape, but analog synths is what I was thinking. Um, their sound is somewhere between Eisen, Eason, do you guys know that band? I-S-A-N, and minimalistic air without the drug problem. And that's in quotes. So they have a sense of humor, too. Um, but yeah, so interesting little group really like the tracks i think yeah what do you guys think sounds like some of the music that i remember from like this time um do you guys remember the group the postal service sure. sounds familiar, yeah. i don't know if i can call to mind they were um ben gibbard's side project from from death cab for cutie he 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 made one monumental album with the postal service uh you know, their big thing was Such Great Heights. You remember that song? But the guy who did, like, the electronics for the album, because it was a very electro-poppy album, and that was, I think, 2003 when that album came out. Uh, his name was Jimmy Tamborello. So, of course, when you know, I was a teenager, I was obsessed with this album, and I looked up, like, all of Jimmy Tamborello's music just to see if it kind of, like, scratched that itch for, like, more Postal Service music. And he was doing a super similar thing here, like really low, lo-fi uh, tech, technology, not genre, kind of electro-pop sort of stuff where you're hearing a lot of like, um, for lack of better words, like machiney sounds, you know, like incorporating static as like a percussive element and pure uh, like sine waves for, for like melodies and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that that's kind of interesting. Uh, the the comparison to to machinery or, or, or you know physical electronics, because even even the melodies, kind of that melody and the harmony, you can almost picture some sort of me mechanism operating yeah. in a similar way. One is slightly ahead, while the other one kind of trails behind. It cuts a similar path, but takes different ends, and sometimes they line up, but other times they diverge, and it's sort of like going in this loop around each other, you know, uh, on top all this other kind of moving framework. I think, yeah, Robbie, I think, sorry. Uh, go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, I think they create really a masterful texture. I was trying to like this previous listen through, I was trying to go through and kind of 
count how many different sounds you're hearing at any one moment or you know within the span of two or three seconds and it's almost too many to count there's so many things happening it doesn't necessarily feel that way when you're listening it seems relatively simple in some ways but there's a lot going on um and i'm you know if we want to go back and count um we can but what were you going to say matt yeah i think robbie and i both kind of immediately this this song and like the general aesthetic of the sound conjured up like imagery of kind of like video gamey stuff and I, i was trying to put my finger on like exactly what it reminded me of and it's more of like a a school of design almost or like a a fashion trend if you will like you guys know or remember how like for a while it seemed like anything involving robots there were these kind of almost rube goldbergy like inefficient overly designed robots that like they have all these little like moving parts not quite steampunk not, not not like that aesthetic but where they're like hyper over designed and you can like see the gate like the of the movement of like how this machine would have been like plodding along to like you know move move some like right. junk around or something you know like that yeah. think like uh like the original star wars trilogy right like those sure. those machines were just so like decadent with their like their design yeah, they look something... complicated, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cumbersome yet so kind of graceful. I I think part of the reason that that is just thinking of the the timbre itself. It's a lot of very low kind of frequencies and a lot of very high nasally frequencies, and that always makes it feel like I'm suspended between two places. So I've got all this like moving intricate uh, inner stuff while I'm hanging out with uh, these higher and low frequencies that, uh, you know, sort of make me feel like I'm I'm kind of just being pulled along by the melodic line. Let's play a game real quick. I want you to just go back five seconds in this track, and we're going to play it for five seconds, and I want you guys to, like, try and tell me how many different sounds you hear within those five seconds. And that goes, like, even if it's, like, just a sine wave sound, but a slightly different textured sine wave sound, that counts as two separate things, you know? You know what I mean? Like, if they use two different just, like, kind of waveforms with a different texture, let's count those as two separate kind of tracks. So we've got the... At least, like, six, seven. Yeah, five or six. At least six or seven. Because you've got the super high pitch kind of ding ding, you've got the clicking kind of thing going on, you've got the really low buzz, yeah, you've got the main melodic line. But the second voice harmonizing the main melody is a different type of wave. Yeah, no, it's it's very interesting. There's a lot happening, and it does feel kind of like machinery. You're right, you know. I like that point Robbie raised though about like the where the frequencies fall. And like that sub bass, that's pretty low. I, I don't know if we would yeah. really be hearing that if we were not using headphones. And it creates more of a rumble than more of like a, a tone at that point. But right. um, the cool thing that's that's going on here is none of these instruments are too obvious in what they're trying to evoke, right? It's more the roles that they're filling, the conventional roles that they're filling, that these high clicks and kind of like clicks and little sounds start to remind us of like the function of a hi-hat or like a cymbal and then the sub bass really like 
taking on the role of a traditional kick drum almost and where it falls in the beat. Yeah, and then I feel like Oh, go ahead, Eric. No, I was just going to say I I totally agree and I feel like this is a kind of music that they should like consider licensing this to like stock audio websites. Like because I feel like it does convey very specific imagery, you know, or like it could be used um to highlight very specific imagery very very well sorry go ahead robbie no i was just gonna say kind of uh i like that point about it all being uh you know we're very familiar with the roles each voice has but it's all sort of different from uh you know what we immediately jump to when we think of an instrument voice so it's all very kind of almost muffled or, or uh distant in, in some kind of way um uh, it's almost like it's hard to remember a little bit, like you're forgetting yeah. a conversation or something. But really yeah. nice music, really nice. Yeah, it's certainly very, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so too. All right, um, anyone have anything else to say about this? Just uh, that if you are interested in listening to more of them, definitely check out their more recent stuff because it's taken an interesting turn. In my opinion, it's very cool to see their style evolved clearly from two decades ago, right? That's like a full 10 yeah, years, literally two decades 20 ago. years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Would definitely recommend. Alrighty. Okay. I think Robbie's up next. Robbie, would you like to introduce uh, your track sure, to us? I would be happy to, Eric. So my uh, album I found for today is called The Tribute to Eros Ramazzotti. So... It's uh, by a group called The Sound Studio, which seems to be a, a collection or some sort of entity associated with an Italian uh, in a recording studio. I can't really find anything about them. It, a lot of it is in Italian, as you might expect, but that seems to be what it is based on the, the discography and sort of the, the music here. So a tribute album. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of information about uh, that particular singer, because I, I don't know if uh, I hadn't heard of him, and, and I don't know if he's uh, quite as well known in America as it is in Italy. So, uh, this uh, particular artist, Eros Ramazzotti, is an Italian musician, singer, and songwriter. He's popular in Italy, most European countries, and throughout the Spanish-speaking world. He has released most of his albums in both Italian and Spanish. Goes on to list a lot of the people he's collaborated with across 11 albums and EPs, people like Cher, uh, Andrea Bocelli... Tina Turner, a bunch of people from, from Italy and, and all over. One thing it does point out, and that will come up again later, is Radia and Sapil come from several factors, including his unique voice, which can be described as somewhat nasal, but nevertheless forceful and resonant baritone, and his energetic delivery of catchy, melodic tunes, which are often passionate, mid-tempo ballads. <clears throat> so, uh, we'll do a little bit of listening. The, the track we're going to be listening to is called Stella Gamella, and it's going to be starting at about, if I can get that, 15 seconds. And uh, there we go.
So, by the way, uh, you can see it's it's Matt and I's favorite thing, uh, a power ballad, kind of in style and in, uh, in structure there. As you go through, we got a lot of classic uh, synth sounds, that kind of frozen icicle string section on the keyboards. You got, uh, you know, uh, that, that big uh, sort of very uh, wet uh, mix of the drums. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the singer, like it mentioned, it's incredibly nasal, very nasal. Um, you know, not that, not that that's not something that's desirable in a singing voice necessarily, but uh, I, I brought up an interesting thought in my head uh, thinking about a tribute album, right? Uh, something that's meant to sound or at least kind of uh, play on someone, someone, something else is doing. And for, for something like this, where the artist, they're sounds like one of their trademarks is kind of their characteristic voice. Um, trying to imitate something that is so particular to a person is a tricky needle to thread and then can usually send, end up sounding not quite right and we might get maybe some of the negative aspects of a particular type of sound more from an imitator than we do the original. But what do you guys think? That's like a an interesting conversation that I, I heard about in a different context. So I really love watching some of these, like, uh, I think they, they call them technique critique things on YouTube. There's, like, series about them. And one of them, they, this recurring guy that they bring in, they bring in a, a dialect coach or an accent coach for, like, film and movies where he, like, helps actors if they need to get into a character that has, like, a particular accent, make it not sound bad. You know, like, the famous example is, like, Kevin Costner in, like, the Robin Hood role when mm -hmm. he just, like, sounds like kevin costner and like not whatever version of british he's supposed to sound like um and he talks about they do a special episode about instead of just accents like like uh celebrity impressions basically particularly people that have like very idiosyncratic voices and ways of speaking and he goes over um ones that are spot on like they sound exactly like the person and then ones where basically they're not trying to sound like that person. And he says that's because sometimes, exactly what you said, if you know you can't do it, then it's better to just kind of like go for an evocation that suggests the voice, the character that you're portraying, mm. rather than trying to be them precisely in a way that sounds unnatural. Right. Now, obviously, actors have an advantage there because they can do a lot more than just voice to try and be that person. But yeah, I, I kind of agree. The the outright nasality of this uh, singing style, it does. It's like the first thing that hits you as soon as uh, you hear them sing. Yeah, if I, I go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Eric. No, it's, I was just going to agree with you and, and Matt both that, yeah, there's a there's something about having that unique voice, even if it's not, I guess, and I hesitate to say it this way, but like conventionally beautiful or like conventionally, you know, what we think of when we think of either an operatic or regular kind of pop singing voice, either way, you know, like it's just not within the norm. There's something about having that kind of unique voice that I think does set you apart in a way that can be beneficial for your career. You know, like it's funny you bring up actors, Matt, because a lot of actors, like think about how many roles and acting are for people with specific kinds of looks right you know like no one wants to uh, no one 
when they're a child and they're getting ready to uh, go to acting school or like they want to pursue that dream, I don't think any child sees themselves as uh, prison inmate number two, right? <laughs> but you know, as you get older, you kind of realize that failed us, Derek. You you kind of realize that you know you your either your face or your body or you know whatever has kind of geared itself uh, to being able to do those roles exceedingly well and like fit in those roles. So you have to play to your strengths if you want to get those jobs. And to me, this just sounds like a vocalist who's playing to their strengths. And yeah, you're right. Isn't trying to be someone they're not, isn't trying to make some kind of voice that they don't have. And is just like fully and wholeheartedly digging into it. Now I'm kind of curious, you know how there you can like, I don't know, rent for lack of a better, you can hire a so-and-so impersonator, you know? Right. Like for, you could, you could like get a Dean Martin impersonator, you know, where they just right. do like Dean Martin songs or a Billy Joel impersonator. Yeah. Um, at what point do you think someone realizes that that's their thing, you know? You know, they probably do it as like a joke or, you know, like you know, for friends, and then someone says, you're really good, I'll, I'll pay you, like, 50 bucks if you come do that at my friend's party, and they yeah, do that's it. That's how all they, music you know... jobs work, Eric. There's just different layers we've built up over the years. Yeah, really, I think that's what it is. You know, well, you no, here's how I think you realize it. You realize it on 9 o'clock on a Saturday, right, when the regular crowd rushes in, and there's an old man sitting at the bar next to you, making love to his tonic, and and then you just go from there. It happens very <laughs> naturally. It's how it starts. Yeah, you're right. I just wonder, what like, how how deep that goes. You know, like, at what point are you like, hey, I can I can do like a pretty good impression of of like, I I, I don't I don't know Elton John, and then like that's your day job. You know, it's just like being Elton John. Do you think that they were really what into is... Elton John, or it was just like a coincidence? You know. I think they do it for the electric boats and molehair suits. Fair. It's a pretty good reason. But, like, how many people are really, like, that's their full-time job? It can't be that many outside of Vegas. Yeah, yeah. So It's a side hustle. But they're out there. So, you know, the mere fact that it exists, at some point they have to realize, like, you know, I can monetize this. Yeah. I wonder if that kind of thing will continue, though. I feel like that's, like, an old, you know, kind of... It's going away. Yeah. Come on. Like, do you really want when we're like 60, do you want someone to hire a Justin Timberlake impersonator for like our, our virtual retirement party? No, no, I don't. Nah. Cause we'll have the holograms by then. Oh, that's right. The Tupac hologram. Yep. I mean, he's still like, I think he, he made the occasional like performance. What the Tupac like, hologram? Yeah. Yeah, even like after the controversy, what? he would still show up places. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, 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 Robbie, Robbie. The reason yeah. why I was laughing when you were talking after explaining this song is because you 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 brought up the icicle word. And I think that's really important for this synthesizer. I know this is completely off topic of what we were just talking about, but it made me remember why. I think why? if you if you boot up like any Mega Man game, and I know we talk about Mega Man like a lot. (laughs) That's why I was laughing, because I was like, this synthesizer sounds like the exact lead instrument from the Frost Walrus stage of Mega Man X4. 
Oh shit! How deep does this oh, go? Oh yeah, no, that one off the top of my head. I just, I just, <laughs> that just one's been casually. living in my head, rent free for twenty years now. Everybody remembers this, Eric. We all remember where we were. My mom called me crying. <laughs> when I'm you like were ninety percent. When I was eight. <laughs> I'm like ninety percent like sure that it's it's like. Pretty much every Mega Man game, they're just like, ah, we need like the ice level. Boot up the ice synthesizer, you know? <laughs> That's what God says to the clouds in wintertime. <laughs> That's uh, that was a that was a good niche niche humor right there, Robbie. Yes, thank you. Uh, I, well, I'm glad we can talk Sonic. about Mega Man. I love him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's either Sonic or Mega Man, like every episode. But I, I mean, we just can't get away from it. And I felt bad having to be like, ah, another Mega Man reference. And that's why I was like laughing when you said Icicle earlier. No, no, no. I welcome it. We should lean into it. That's our brand. All right. The new Sonic game was announced today. What, what is it? What? No. What, what? I don't know what it is, but it was announced. Yeah. What? Another Sonic game? What's it about? Yeah. Is it a Sonic? <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Sonic Colors is getting remastered. Oh, they oh, they announced they announced a new 3D. It's coming out in 2022. Wow. I made this I made this tweet about Sonic the other day actually, and I was hoping that it was going to do better, but it 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 flopped pretty hard. I got like two likes on it. It was Bring um, it into the writers room. Let's workshop it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh it was something like um sometimes I look back at like my old my old work and i question the aesthetic choices that i made and i I kind of don't like some of the creative decisions that i made but then i remember that someone produced sonic 06 and sega thought it was going to be okay to let sonic kiss a woman in that game like wait do you guys remember that game because like an actual woman the kissing yeah kissing the woman I don't think I've seen this. I don't know this movie. Yeah, no, no. This is, I mean, Sonic 06 was just a train wreck of a game because it basically got released unfinished. And, like, it was borderline unplayable because of, like, how completely broken the game is. Because of how much everyone played through the kissing cutscene over and over. They couldn't move on. And, they were transfixed. And, yeah, the, they just, the, the creative team behind Sonic 06 decided that that was the game where Sonic needs to have a kiss with a human woman. Uh... <laughs> How's that make oh, you feel? Here's the scene. Found yep. it. But that was yeah. my tweet. That was my tweet. It didn't do very well. I was hoping it would do better. Well, you know, pearls before swine. What are you going to do? Pearls before. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, like, that's like one of my favorite sayings that like took me forever to figure out what it meant <laughs> you gotta yeah, save your weird pearls scene. before this yep, one yep, that's a that's a that's a weird decision made by the sonic team and sega but I, anyway I off of sonic and all right and onto yeah. some music yeah now that we've, we've done our our weekly uh mandated discussion of Mega Man and sonic um yeah my selection for this week is called Saturday Morning by Peter Squires off of his album, Woe Is Me. Now, I, I really just liked the song, and I really liked the, the album artwork in specific. But I was able to find out a little bit about Peter Squires. It seems that he is a singer-songwriter from, or residing in, Medbury, New Hampshire. And his little bio on his website, which is just petersquiresongs.com, says, Combining humor and heartbreak, 
or squires can brighten your day or bring you down with just a few chords. Quite a dangerous power to wield. Uh, a witty songwriter and talented instrumentalist, Squires is never afraid to wear his heart on his sleeve. So this is from, I believe it's his 2010 album called Woe Is Me. And let's just go ahead and hit play at like the 22nd mark for Saturday morning. We've got big ideas, six months is a blip on the screen. Wouldn't put you on that plane if I didn't believe. What we've got here is worth keeping. We've got one more Saturday morning. Yeah, I really like it. Nice, simple song, just a, a guy and his guitar. And it kind of plods along really nicely in the verse uh, sections. But then that chorus has some really nice turnarounds, like the, the harmonic rhythm changes. There's like a, a spicy dominant chord in there, kind of like to punctuate the the sentence i suppose um and uh robbie, robbie what did you think you seem to really enjoy this one upon first listen yeah i think it's really nice really nice very very gentle and relaxing and in, in, in kind of a similar way uh to our first track that same sort of uh i don't know sense of floating in, in some ways to me and i think yeah especially that chorus the way they harmonize uh, the melody there and, and the way they, they they match those chords up to the words, I think is really interesting and is really effective, even though it's, uh, you know, a very short phrase. So you kind of load up all the information vertically rather than horizontally. But I really enjoyed it. Lots of nice singing, lots of nice structure, I think. How about you, Eric? Yeah, uh, you know, it reminds me of a lot of bands from like the, I don't know, it, it, it gives me like hometown kind of like bar scene bands that I listened to like growing up you know like that either my friends were part of or um you know like the the technical ability obviously isn't at the highest level but there's something nice and beautiful and honest about the music being produced uh almost because of that you know in spite of that you know they're the music is being produced because they feel like they have to get it out there. And I'm trying to do this without projecting too much, you know, onto <laughs> this person that I don't yeah. know at all. Um, but yeah, it's just something really honest, you know, like listening really, I mean, you don't even have to listen that closely to like the, the guitar strumming just to hear like some of the unevenness and like the almost like, I don't want to say fumbling around, but just like, it's not quite as steady as like a practice super practiced guitar player but there's something nice about that there's something like folk and authentic and it gives it almost like a meandering kind of feeling which like pairs perfectly with this kind of like meandering vocal line where you're not sure where the melody goes and it's always kind of surprising you um, it never goes quite where you expect it to it doesn't resolve quite quite the way you think it's going to I don't know. You know, it's it's just it's an interesting listen, and it's uh, it's certainly beautiful uh, in its own way. 
Yeah, it's got some really nice kind of like raw, almost like an un, like unfinished, in 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 like a like the way that you wouldn't finish wood, right? You know, not unfinished, yeah. like it sounds incomplete, but it it sounds very pure. I don't think there's a whole lot of like post production really happening to the sound here. That's probably what. No. It would sound like if you heard Peter Squires live, which from his YouTube channel looks like he did a lot of live performing, like you said, and like the bar scene. And yeah. even from like a technological kind of like how it's made kind of way, uh, you can tell that the the effect that he achieves on the voice there actually is just him singing over it once and then singing over it again, where some of the consonants, the the syllables don't perfectly line up like exactly the same with each other and and the way that the words are shaped although the intonation is pretty pretty good I, I would say there weren't any really discrepancies between either of the the mirrored voices there but it reminds me kind of of like a i don't know simon and garfunkel if we're really going back but even that raw kind of sound from like this like the bands like fleet foxes or sure um, I hate to just go right to Ben Folds, but you know, like, come on, there's a reason why we always go back to Ben yeah. Folds. Or any, anything from around that time, really. Yeah. It, it, it calls to mind for me this, this idea of, like, I don't know, I, I suppose a lazily sketching out a thought or, or an idea. You can, you can, maybe in some of the same ways, or, or, well, maybe I guess in a different way, you can see the process in this song like you could in the first one. This one's maybe not quite as forward-driven. The momentum is kind of pulling itself by the nose, almost, from one place to the next, rather than kind of chugging along very steadily. But I think that's, uh, you know, that's what makes a good song. We kind of want to see, okay, where's this it, it intention going? What There was a sound. There's got to be another one, right? What's going to happen next? Sorry, this is totally random, but I have a little... Uh, <laughs> just surprised me. I have a little kickstand for my phone Ooh, and yeah. it just snapped look at that oh, it's broke yeah i just went to put it's it down done. and it's oh. uh it's donezo look at that that is cracked for sure Ooh, sorry to hear oh that's well i'm getting actually i'm getting a new phone probably in a in a week so it's gonna oh be is it okay. built into the phone it's not yeah yeah it's part of the case it like Ooh. it like clicks oh, into okay. the case but then it just like comes out i guess it's finally hmm. Kicked its, kicked stood its bucket. last kick, kicked its last stand, whatever. <laughs> yeah, this is like doing donuts in your old car before you buy a new one. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can just go ahead and break this guy right off. Make a bunch um, of prank phone calls. I don't, I don't think we're going that far, really. Start a drug selling business, then literally burn the phone. But um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have too much to say about this song, other than that, I just, I just really enjoyed um what he's doing. And I think his last album was in like 2018. So that's again, that's like a pretty nice, long, consistent music career, right? That's like almost a decade. And we've talked about this before. Half the battle of being a musician is just staying in the game and like keeping at it, right? It's a war of attrition for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I think that's all I Don't got. Don't be so pessimistic, you guys. I prefer to think that there's always room for one more good one. That's that's a that's a nice way to say it. I I was expecting something a bit more caustic out of you, Robbie. I thought you were just gonna hit us with something even more pessimistic than what we said. What is that the kind of brand I've built? That it's definitely the tongue-in-cheek kind of humor that you've um, established around yourself at this point. Fair, it's, okay. it's true, Robbie. Thirty-two yeah. episodes in, you might have to start a redemption arc. 
Yeah. Gotta keep the people watching somehow. But you know, that's that's one wholesome joke for every every like ten outright negative jokes that you make. So I think that's a good balance. Right. Yeah. Fair. Alright, well then I think it's time for that part of the show where we tell the audience what we listened to this week. Who would like to go first? I like to start this off. Okay, so t- today, or not today, or today and th- this week, I've been listening to it on and off, an album by a saxophonist, Eddie Harris, who is, well, speaking of kind of electronic music and its influence on, you know, other artists, uh, it's a jazz album, a jazz funk album that definitely has a lot of electronic elements. Eddie Harris, uh, well, he played saxophone and he sang, and what he did a lot with his saxophone is he incorporated... Um, I don't know. I've always heard them described as like electroacoustic elements. I don't know if that's what it's supposed to be. It's like he would put bits of microphones around around like the mouthpiece or various electronic equipment to get basically a kind of synthesized line he could or, or kind of synthesizer he could play on his saxophone. And he does a lot of it there uh, in this album. It's called Bad Luck Is All I Have. I would encourage everyone to listen to the, the that track, the title track, Bad Luck is All I Have. It's a long one, but it's it's worth it, I think. Interesting. Was that yeah, Eddie okay. Harris? Sounds cool. Eddie Harris, that's right. All right. Sounds cool. Eric, you want right, to share Matt, with the class? For us? Uh, okay, I'll share. I'm going to be honest, I didn't really listen to much this week. I had to do a lot of driving. And on drives, like long drives for me, I usually tend to do audiobooks, so I took that time to get a jump start on book 11 of the Wheel of Time, slowly, slowly making my way to the end of the series. I've still got three more after this, but... Uh, Dude, book 11, yeah. you, you, I remember you talking about this book series like two years ago. Yeah, no, it's taken me a long time to get through them, you know, because it's, it's like... You gotta pause between them two, you know, it's like, it's a long, it's a long commitment. How yeah, long the is books book came 11? out over like twenty years. How, the, how long is the book? Book eleven. I mean, they're all like, they're all like in the seven or eight hundred page range, right? Ooh. So, yeah, they're all long. I think the shortest one is maybe like five or six hundred pages. Now, I thought you were setting up very well to go into during a long drive. I like to put on a good audio book. And thanks to today's sponsor, Audible. <laughs> gotcha! Trapped inside an ad! Didn't even realize it, idiots! I thought you were really setting it up good there, you know? You, sorry, had, you, yeah, had the whole, sorry, you had the whole, believe me, I use this every day story going. So just close. like with people with, um, with, when they talk about Raycons, you know? They're like, That's true, yeah. Uh, they, they set it up and they're like, now, and you guys well, know how Shadow much. Legends. Yeah, Raid yeah. Shadow <laughs> Legends is the best now. <laughs> Those ads are so funny. When I want to play a bad video game, there's only one way I or one person I turn to. And that's Mr. Ray and his terrible Shadow Legends. I just like it when it's obvious that they like did not touch the game beyond what they actually had to to do the advertisement. Right. They're like, you start right, out with no, these champions. Sent, yeah. From what I've heard, they get sent like a script, basically, and yeah. uh, and the footage they're supposed to use, and that's all they have to do. Yeah, it's pretty obvious that they're reading off a script, though. <laughs> yeah, they sound half of them. They sound like they've got a gun up to their head and they're reading the script. You know, <laughs> <laughs> when I want to listen to terrible music with shitty headphones, there's nothing that goes down smoother than a pair of Raycons and Raid Shadow Legend. 
yeah you get like two knock knock uh two birds with this with one stone you could you could advertise <laughs> playing raid shadow legends with the raycons in it's your the ears raycons. It lets you hear all the terrible details <laughs> nothing nothing but the bass right nothing but the bass which is all they put in so that's fine yeah no. But, um, okay, so that brings me to my what I've been listening to, and I'm going to be a jerk and do a sales pitch instead, not for Audible, Rage Shadow Legends, or Raycons. Uh, I had my album come out, like, about a week ago, Aww. right? Right, what's today? What's today? Yeah, today it's about is... a week ago. Yeah, it's about a week ago. It's like 10 days ago. So I released an album with uh, my very good friend, Liat Shapiro, on the piano, and the album is called letters home you can find it on bandcamp for ten dollars if you so choose it's got five tracks and it will very soon hopefully also be coming out on spotify and apple music so we can make 0.0001 pennies for every play that we get so if you would like to support the album you can go uh purchase and download it on bandcamp Oh, that's so cool very I'll exciting yeah congratulations realize... yeah thanks it's it's been going pretty well uh we we had some like good sales on like the, the day it came out and we're like trying to keep the pr kind of alive for it and i think eric saw it but like i managed to just sneak it into a concert program of pianists in in new york city that like Ooh. just reached out to me through my website some some real serendipity there it's exactly what you want to happen yeah, no, I really enjoyed the album, Matt. Uh, Thanks, I'm man. glad it's, I'm glad to hear it's doing well, and uh, hope for its continued success. Yeah. Thanks. I'll uh, send it to you too, Robbie. Um, I guess through through email, because it's uh, it's the type of music that we, I mean, we talk about the stuff we like, and it's exactly the type of stuff that I like from like you know power ballad style chords and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, give, give it a listen. I I would love to. In fact, you know what, Matt? You could. I appreciate it. I'll pay the ten dollars. <laughs> I'll support the art. Oh, thanks, man. You keep it. But I do. I'm really glad to hear. I want to take a listen. Uh, is it my turn now to do the ending? Yes. Uh, so thanks for listening, 32. As you can hear, our best episode. Tune in next week for something that looks like garbage in comparison. Uh, <laughs> that's <a> joke. <laughs> uh, please come back and please review and rate the show wherever you're listening if you can. Also, reach out to us on. Uh, Facebook and Instagram at Drop the Needle in the Haystack and on Twitter at Drop Haystack. Eric. As always, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Did you guys hear? I did something different that time. I said so much for listening. I didn't yeah. say thank you for listening. Yeah, so really, I think they're going to notice. It's really going wild there. Oh, God. Oh, God.